I know I know you love this one. All right. And if you don't, just get out of here. All right. Uncle Buck. Oh, yes. Uncle Buck stays. Got Uncle him. Buck isn't going anywhere. It's the lowest stakes movie of all time. When you say it's <laughs> low stakes, I'm like, what do you mean it's low stakes? This is the retribution <laughs> of his family. This is him re-entering his family and being a part of it, re-establishing a relationship with his brother, having the admiration of his oldest niece, being the fun uncle to the twins. Like, this is everything. And you're just like, These are all on page 37 of how life goes. <laughs> this <Yeah>. is amazing. <laughs> Welcome to Buzz in the Tower, a podcast dedicated to the movies of the 1980s. Our mission is to take you on a most excellent adventure through time. Buzz in the Tower is so much more than a podcast. It's the map to One-Eyed Willie's treasure. And all you have to do is sit back, listen, and repeat after me. Klaatu! Barata! <clears throat> Buzz in the Tower answers the questions you didn't even know you had. Like who would win in a fight, John Rambo or Hans Gruber? Or who is dreamier, Jake Ryan or Marty McFly? So as we rank, debate, and offer fresh takes of the best of the best from 80s cinema, please remember, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and listen to a podcast once in a while, you could miss it. Don't forget to subscribe to Buzz in the Tower on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. For bonus content, you can find us on all social media channels by searching our handle at Buzz in the Tower. For more podcasts, information, or to contact us with topics you'd like us to talk about, visit our website, buzzinthetower.com. That's B-U-Z-Z-N, thetower.com. Buzz in the Tower is brought to you by Verde Media. Max, I couldn't be happier with the way our website looks. So good. Yeah. If you haven't had a chance to take a look at our website yet, you need to right away. These guys, website development, online marketing, they are outstanding. Am I exaggerating at all? It is so choice. If you have the means, I highly recommend having them build you one. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, look, they're the best of the best. And working with John, uh, their owner, a self-admitted 80s martial arts movie nerd was an absolute joy. Is that why you said the best of the best? That is why I said yeah. that was a tip of the hat to John. Um, they're more than our sponsor. They're our partner. And if you are looking to build a website, they are the group to go to. Uh, find their link on our website and check them out, Verde Media. Today's episode, Thanos snapping the work of John Hughes. Despite our greatest efforts, the Mad Titan has recovered all of the Infinity Stones. However, this endgame has a twist. When Thanos snaps his fingers, half of the 1980s John Hughes catalog will disappear forever. The world's greatest 80s movie Avengers, Mo and Max, have been assembled to choose which movies stay and which movies go. I'm Mo Captain America Shapiro. And joining me as always, the Molly Ringwald to my Anthony Michael Hall, Max Black Widow Sanders. And with that, Buzz in the Tower, assemble. What is going on? <laughs> there's a lot of... That's a lot of references. There's a lot of references. There's a lot to unpack here. Um, Max, Thanos is going to snap his fingers. Right. And half of all of the 1980s John Hughes films, including what he wrote or directed or produced... Okay. Or all three in some cases. All right. Half of those 16 movies are going to disappear. That's terrible. It's the, this, this episode, this episode. Here's about bounce. Is going to ruin us. Hughes brings bounce to the world. We are going to play God today. 
this is, is your a, favorite. This is I hate this. I don't want it's too much responsibility. You I love playing God. No, I don't. Only with like people's emotions. Not <laughs> not with not with this. Not with John Hughes. Not with movie. John Hughes. Okay. Yeah. Max, welcome to the episode. Yes. Uh, I hope you don't mind being called Black Widow. I felt that that suited you best. I'm a big Scar Joe fan. And I'm certainly Captain America. I have America. the wig. <laughs> I'm more of a Loki, to be honest with <laughs> no, you. No, I don't think I will. You're you're more of a hawk. Wait, we're not talking 80s movies, are we? Jeremy Renner. I love Jeremy. Let's talk Jeremy Renner. Let's talk John Hughes. <laughs> okay. Uh, today's episode is brought to you by pain. This this hurts me internally. You do this every this time we do like a recasting. No, this too. is different. This is totally the different. Recasting, I can look back. That you say the same thing. I'll tell you why this is different. In the, reca- uh, and, and the no, the recasting episodes, I get nervous because you're tampering with perfection. This is different. This is forcing me to make a decision. This is like Sophie's choice. That, that's the best way I could explain. Okay. This. this is a terrible, terrible thing for me. This is picking pick a favorite kid. Who do you who do you save if you the boat sinks? I don't have one. Yeah, absolutely. You like not. the older one, don't you? I like them all in different ways. <laughs> I have favorite co-hosts. I don't have uh, favorite children. There's only one co-host. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. There's only one co-host. You're right. Totally. You co-host uh, cheating on no, me? No, no, no. You're good. Don't worry. You're my favorite. So um, I might have someone on the side who might like the Goonies more than you. But anyways, <laughs> today, even just putting this topic together and thinking about it gives me anxiety because we're going to have to basically chop eight John Hughes movies. I don't understand this about you. I'm more anxious in life than you are, but when it comes to topics, I'm just ready to go. No, you feel no. like you're splitting a baby. I feel yeah. Sophie again. I gave you the example of Sophie's That's choice. King Solomon. All right. This That's the Bible. I the original I John Hughes well, story. There you go. <laughs> so, um, I don't even know where to begin. Maybe we, should we just talk about John Hughes for yeah. a little bit? Because like I, I feel, feel like people don't know who John Hughes is. I, so John Hughes is basically he's the teen angst god of he's the, the 80s. He is he's the Steven Spielberg. Like I put him in that category even though other people would say that he's a little bit lighter, a little bit fluffier, but he is the 80s. Like you can't have a conversation about the 80s film without paying homage to John Hughes. I don't think he's lighter. I think the genre he took on seems lighter. Like what used to be Porky's and stuff like that, he made it into a real genre. Right. Right. Yeah, right. he gave teens a voice. Um by the way, you and I both do this. Both of us. I've noticed this. Okay. We say genre instead of genre. Isn't well, that weird? You need, you need to learn how to say wolf, by the way. Do I say wolf the wrong way? You say wolf. Way? wolf. You say, yeah, say wolf. Wolf. Say wolf. wolf. Yeah. The wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> yeah, it's wrong. You know it's wrong, right? <laughs> Whatever. Anyways. Teen wolf. Teen wolf. <laughs> <laughs> Max, let's uh, let's quickly cover what Mr. Hughes did in the 80s. Yeah. Before we jump into who he Michigan is. born, by the way. Woo. Oh, yeah. Well, we'll talk about that. We got a lot to talk okay, about. Okay, let's go. 1982 National Lampoon's Class Reunion. 1983 Mr. Mom. 1983 National Lampoon's Vacation. 1983 Nate and Hayes. 1984 16 Candles. 1985 The Breakfast Club. 1985 European Vacation, 1985 Weird Science, 1986 Pretty in Pink, 1986 Ferris Bueller's Day Off, 1987 Some Kind of Wonderful, 1987 Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, 1988 She's Having a Baby, 1988 The Great Outdoors, 1989 Uncle Buck, and 1989 Christmas Vacation. That rounds out the 80s. Thank God we don't hop into the 90s where we start getting Home Alone and a whole batch of other awesome movies as well. It is so crazy how he dished all those out. He'd write these in like 20 hours too. He'd do two, three days, 20 hour binge. Right. And then Ferris Bueller's day off was done while he was doing the rewrite of another, like his partner fell asleep and he was up until six o'clock in the morning and he wrote half of Ferris Bueller's day off. Yeah. Cause someone told him there's going to be a writer strike. He's yeah. like, Oh, better get it. Better, better bang this out. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, I believe that how you feel about John Hughes's films is almost like a litmus test of who you are as a person. It's a, it's a personality test. Like you, what you gravitate towards almost defines who you are. So, do you know anyone who doesn't like John Hughes movies? I'm sure there's some poor, I haven't met that one. sick, 
human being out there. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't want to know that person. Right. Yeah. Um, so look, there is a lot to talk about with John Hughes. Uh, so he attends the university of Arizona in Tucson. What a party school. <laughs> what crazy party school. He leaves before graduating yeah. and returned to Chicago to work as an advertising copywriter. I might be, maybe you already knew this. Um, we'll talk about, she's having a baby. I didn't realize she's having a baby is basically his, auto, is, his yeah. autobiography. Yeah. I didn't know that it was about him. Cause as I was studying up on his, uh, past, I'm like, this is basically, she's having a baby. Like, yeah. I didn't realize that. Ad guy for Philip Morrison. Right? Yeah. Or Philip Morris. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Philip Morris. There yeah. you go. No, Philip Morrison sounds good too. <laughs> yeah. I don't um, he, the, one of the things about John Hughes, and we're going to jump around a ton, but I think we designate a good chunk to talking about him before we snap our fingers, which is partly me just trying to avoid snapping the fingers. Like, I just don't want to have to do it. Well, I think it's important to understand who he is because I don't think I've ever had a conversation with anybody about who John is as a person. Right, right. Well, it's it, just the movies. One of the things that is I think really cool. So th- you've seen jo- Dogma, right? J- Jay and Silent Bob. Yeah. So for those of you out there who you're not Jay and Silent Bob fans, you're not Dogma fans, that's fine. Boo you. Boo you. But go to YouTube and look up Dogma Shermer Illinois. So there's this really cool scene where they basically are joking about Shermer, Illinois. Shermer, Illinois is the fictional town that John Hughes uses in a lot of his films that's supposed to reflect his experience growing up in the suburbs of Illinois in Northbrook. Northbrook. Northbrook, Northbrook yeah. yeah. Move there when it's 12. Right, right. And it's it's really kind of cool because I think one of the things that was a distinguishable difference of John Hughes from other people is he was really emphatic about not shooting films in, in LA. Like he didn't want to be in yeah, Hollywood. Yeah, he didn't want to go there. So when he was shooting his films, he wanted the cast, the crew, the environment to be this, you know, real Midwestern suburb of Illinois, suburb of Detroit, you know, like he wanted that feel. And maybe, maybe in that sense, that's why these resonate with me so much, because this is basically my childhood. Well, he takes simple, ordinary feelings like falling in love, you know, wanting to get the girl, all that kind of stuff trying to be a good family man. Right. And he just makes these kind of ridiculous situations out of it. But at its core, it's something we can all relate to. That Very well put. So he starts off, he goes to this ad agency, but while he's working there, he was a comedy writer for Rodney Dangerfield. Did you know that? Yeah, and Joan Rivers. Yeah, that's fantastic. I didn't get the connection point, how he met them. Yeah, well, I, I couldn't find deep details on how he transitioned from basically leaving school, but he started doing work with the National Lampoon comic. The magazine, or, yeah. Excuse me, thank you, the magazine. And this is where he starts kind of getting his writing chops and... And he, it, it's interesting because as he continues to kind of evolve as a writer, he starts off doing, you know, um, National Lampoon's uh, class reunion. Yep. Um, he has some sm- some short stories that get developed. His foray into directing didn't stem from a passion to want to direct. He was just annoyed that people messed up his movies. Yeah, he wrote these scripts and he was tired of watching directors butcher them. So he got to a point where he's like, I'm just going to do it myself. Uh, in, in particular, I think it was Mr. Mom. And I think they wanted to turn Mr. Mom into a TV movie and Aaron Spelling of, yeah. of the spellings. Yeah, 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 yeah. you know, yeah. 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 he hopped in and they actually pushed, uh, they pushed John Hughes out. They did the rewrites without him. They pushed him out. Oh, really? Yeah, I'll double check that. It was, I think it was that movie. But John Hughes is responsible for launching the careers of a lot of actors. Molly Ringwell. Not, Ring- lo- not longevity careers. No. <laughs> well, Matthew Broderick, Michael Keaton. Yeah. Those he, two. Did he launch Keaton? Yeah, for sure. You so he, he saw Night Shift. Um, he didn't Elijah see Night Whiskey. Shift. Yeah, Night Shift was unique because it was actually um, uh, Keaton's manager that reached out to them and said, listen, like, you got to see this guy. And then they went and saw Night Shift and, like, got right back from Night Shift. And they were like, this is who we want for Mr. Mom. That's awesome. And he was in, he was fantastic. I mean, this that movie launched his career. Night Shift was great. Yeah. But he, he this is his first main role where he carried the role. That's true. It's his first top billing, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So he was great in uh, in Mr. Mom. And, I, I mean, 
one of the things that I love about John Hughes is he he shows depth of characters, right? Right. He, he, he tries not to make even his villains. They're bad, but they're not like, oh, my God, bad. And then all of the other characters, whether you're the nerd, the cool kid, the awkward guy, the awkward girl. You get a voice. You get you get you get, you get to see the dimensions of those characters. And that speaks to you know what you want to see when you're growing up and you're a kid or even as an adult. Some of his greater movies, in my mind, aren't even the teen romp ones. You know? Yeah. Everyone has a comeback. Everyone has the right line. Right. See, I see like, you love you. I was, you go. You, I know exactly what you're going to say. You love the interaction. You yeah, the love dialogue, the, yeah, the, dialogue. the snappiness. Yeah, yeah. It blows me away because. Like watching Breakfast Club when they're yelling at each other and crying and, you know, being really emotional. Ten minutes later, they're friends. I'm like, how do they do that? You know what I mean? It's just like he encompasses all emotions. Yeah. And nobody gets hung up on anything. The movie keeps moving. He dialogue, character development, storytelling. He he was a monster. He was great. I mean, he was just incredible. The you know, if he wasn't directing the film, his good friend uh, Howard Deutsch was. Yeah. So it, which typically he was I only like the Howard Deutsch ones. Yeah, they're great. Yeah. But, but he had a guy, right? Yeah. Like so, like Deutsch wasn't like you know Deutsch. If anyone should be going to his you know grave a couple every couple of years and just saying thank you. I mean, his whole career is developed by he did Pretty in Pink, some kind of wonderful great outdoors. Yeah. But and the replacements. Love them. You're kidding me. You did their replacements. That's fine. Doesn't that feel right? It You're does like, feel right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There are movies, different topic for a different show. There are definitely movies that feel like they have the fingerprints of John Hughes on them that have nothing to do with John Hughes. Oh, yeah. Like, like say anything. Yeah. 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 yeah absolutely. Um, okay. So, <sighs> is there anything else you want to say about John Hughes before we murder half of his uh, catalog? I love this quote from him. He goes, I so desperately hate to end these movies. The first thing I do when I'm done is write another. I like, like that. That's just like. Yeah. And also his. Influences were Picasso, John Lennon, and Bob Dylan because they just moved the needle on what things were. And sure. he moved the needle on teen comedies. Oh, absolutely. And just absolutely. movies in general. He uh, He's very missed. I mean, we don't talk a lot of the other films. I, certainly, he never had the type of success outside of the Home Alone series. He never had the kind of Beethoven success. Beethoven was pretty Yeah, so. but not like in clumps. He didn't have like a decade where he hit seven or eight monsters. But he, I mean, yeah, it would be great if he was him, John Candy. There's so many people that uh, are in these movies I wish were just still around. Yeah, I heard he would have kept directing if John Candy was still around. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure it crushed him. I mean, you yeah. developed these relationships, spend months upon months working with John Candy was in more John Hughes films than any other actor that he worked with. Yeah, he was the defining guy in John Hughes movies. Yeah, he loved him. I mean, more so than Molly Wing- Ringwald or anybody else. Uh, okay, Max. That's a tough fight. Now this, that I, this, I know. This, more than Molly Ringwald and John Hughes? I'm yeah, very, right? Well, yeah, I know, but... Numerically. But numerically. That's I'm, just, I'm just speaking numeric. I'm Ooh. just speaking numeric. Um, Molly the, Ringwald versus John, he- John Candy. Yeah, right? I take John Candy, but that's me. <laughs> the Now we're getting into the tough part. And I don't even know. I, I I don't even know how we do this. Like I'm I'm literally flustered on how we do this. Other, other than we have 16 films, and I think the easiest way to do this is that we know there are three movies that we're okay. At least probably three movies we're okay dumping. Yep. And there's three movies that we're not touching that yep. we know have to remain. Yeah. That at least takes the 16 down to 10. If my abacus is correct. You got it. And then we just have to start working backwards on the 10 where you and I agree on which five are going to go and which five are going to stay. That sounds fair. Is that reasonable? Yeah. Why don't we start with the three that we know are going to stay? No, we're going to stay. Yeah. Like what, what, what's the, like in your mind, what are the three movies that we don't have to have much of a debate about that we have to keep for the, for the sake of humanity, we cannot let these three movies go. Breakfast club, breakfast club, pretty in pink, pretty in pink, Ferris Bueller, Ferris Bueller. I'm Those with you. Three. I'm yeah, with okay, you. Yeah. I'm not, you're going to get a debate on me on that. Um, but we will talk about them. So let's start with, what do you want to start with? Breakfast club. Breakfast club. It's his defining movie. It's his most complete movie. Yeah. Breakfast club, 1985, uh, story of the basic archetypes 
of all types of high school personalities. Jock, the brain, the bully, the princess, and the weirdo? The weirdo, yeah. <laughs> Wait, what's you, her name? Don't, don't act like you don't know the weirdo. We got Emilio Estevez. We've got Anthony Michael Hall. We've got Judd Nelson, Molly Ringwald, Ali Sheedy. Uh, this is... This is the movie, the movie, right? Uh, every movie after this copies this movie. It, it, this is the movie. Have you watched it recently? Yes. It's really weird. Really weird. Yeah. It's it's not even that it's weird. It's very dark. Oh, it's dark isn't the right. It's very real. The emotional part. Everything else yeah. is kind of like exaggerated, but the emotion of it is very real. Yeah, they're ripping into each other. Well, a lot of it, I mean, you, we've talked about this movie in other podcasts before. Some things we've never talked about before that I just found that I thought were hilarious. Rick Moranis was originally cast as the janitor. Did you know that? No, that would have been terrible. He wanted to do it with a heavy, over-the-top Russian stereotype accent, and they were like, no, we don't want to go that no, direction. John Capelos is great. Uh, I, yeah, exactly. He did an awesome job. And there's a scene where he was the student of the year. There's a picture right of him. Beginning, yeah. yeah, yeah. I didn't. I never knew really? or noticed it's that. It's pretty obvious, actually. Emilio Estevez was originally slated to play Bender, uh, but Hughes couldn't find anyone else who was right for that role, so Estevez switched over, to, uh, and obviously Judd Nelson got Bender. Yeah, uh, Judd Nelson's perfect. He is perfect. Um, you, you've told me, you told me before about how he really almost got in trouble. He dove into this role. He was buying booze for high school kids like <laughs> yeah. it, was, it was he crazy. was pretending he was in high school he was making fun of molly ringwald offset yeah john hughes almost fired him yeah that's he's right like, i remember you telling like, me you gotta go man. that's wild uh other actresses they looked at for claire robin wright jodie foster uh laura dern who all auditioned uh and well, me, good. i thought so uh john cusack was considered for the role of bender and so is nick cage Oh, that's really good. <laughs> Nick, Both Cage of Nick Cage would have been amazing. <laughs> I would have gone fine with Nick Cage. Hughes had planned for The Breakfast Club to be his directorial debut, but the studio went with 16 Candles first. Yep. And they released it in the opposite order, which is wild as we go through these movies because all of these movies, not all of them, clusters of them were all made within like 18 months of each other. Yeah, so he was making weird science at the same time as Breakfast Club. Right. And he was annoyed he couldn't spend more time on Breakfast yeah, Club. Yeah, weird. Super weird that they were jamming all these together. But I mean, when you're hot, you're hot. They were letting him, he became what Spielberg could get away with, right? Yeah. Like do anything you want in this, in this genre, he, genre, <laughs> wolf <laughs> genre <laughs> he can do whatever he wanted to do and he wrote this in two days by the way yeah it, this movie is fantastic it's untouchable we would never let thanos snap it away no anything you want to add the fist pump at the end you love and the, and the glove of course if yeah. you've listened to our uh 80s collector glove. 80s collector <laughs> episode uh so we're keeping breakfast club and the other one you had was pretty in pink yeah so pretty in pink um Molly Ringwald, uh, 86, 86. Yep. Um, thank you very much. 1986. Molly Ringwald is Andy. Uh, Harry Dean Stanton is Jack. John Cryer is Ducky. Um, Annie Potts is Iona. James Spader, uh, who we could have made a joke. We could have done an, age, an age of Ultron <laughs> joke because his voice was great for that. Um, James Spader is, is just like he's perfect. amazing. Yeah. He's amazing. Whether it's on the office, whether it's in this, this is movie, best role. it he, is people resonate with, he him. is Whenever so I horrible in this stuff. People lose their minds when he interviewed or when he interviewed, when he auditioned for this, he was so repugnant that yeah. they didn't want to hire him. You know, they, they wanted him for Blaine. Oh, really? Yeah. And he's I like, said, I didn't realize And that. he's like, no, nah, I want to play Steph. Yeah. Well, like, he, he yeah. nailed Steph yeah. because he was repugnant. And, and then, and the producers were like, no, we don't, he's, he's awful. He like lit up a cigarette inside, like at the audition and like oh. put it out on the table. Like he was the worst. <laughs> Do you know Steph's in your life? Yes. I grew up with a couple of Steph's. <laughs> I grew up with some Blaine's too. Andrew McCarthy is Blaine. You hate Blaine. I do hate, I have the name Blaine. It's the name Blaine, of the major appliance. Blaine. <laughs> um, Molly Ringwald hated the pink dress, which is funny. It was um, ugly. It was ugly. <laughs> Um, Pretty in Pink is a wonderful film about 
class economics, you yeah. know, socio, uh, or social structure. Thank you. Girl from the wrong side of the track, boy from the right side of the track. Love letting go of love. Yeah. It's, uh, Ducky, right? Ducky's everything. Ducky's incredible. Ducky's incredible. John Cryer is, uh, this is just, it really doesn't hold up though. No, <laughs> like, no nowadays Ducky all. would be canceled. No, <laughs> yeah. Ducky, not so much. Um, but him and uh, Andrew Dice Clay, their, their, uh, scenes together are just great. Andrew Dice Clay figuring out how to do like the cigarette stuff outside. Yeah, it's like, yeah. oh, this is where it happened. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but this is, again, I agree with you. Like the three you picked is the ones we would never touch. Like yeah. this is certainly one of them. Um, so Hughes and, uh, Deutsch pictured Blaine is more of like a confident, like jock. And it was at this point that Molly Ringwald's opinion really kind of seeped in because she was like, that's not the kind of guy I would go for. Oh, so the part of the reason why you get Andrew McCarthy is because of his work on St. Elmo's fire and Molly Ringwald saying like, I'm, I think this guy is adorable and I want him to he be is cute. One. He is a very he's cute like guy. He's like a puppy. Very cute guy. Uh, yeah, he's the I, first hacker ever. I think her exact <laughs> quote was, uh, that's the kind of guy I would fall in love with. Not some square jawed hunky guy. Yeah. Should have been Robert Downey Jr. though. Oh, he would have been really good. No, no, that's who Hughes wanted. Oh, really? Yeah. Why didn't you get him? What was he Oh, on? no, no. I reversed this. Hughes wanted him as Ducky. Got it. And he could, no, Robert Downey Jr. would have been a terrible Ducky. No. Well, no, in the be... original script, yes. Yeah, when yeah, they yeah. end up together, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. that would have made sense. That would have made sense. I agree with you. Yep. Yeah. Uh, our third spared film in the catalog that we're not letting Thanos take away. My favorite. Is uh, this actually, I agree with you, Max. And there, uh, for everybody listening, if there's one, there's going to be some real conflict on this podcast. It's so just unity, not, it's just not coming. Here. This is unity here. <laughs> this is my favorite John Hughes film. Ferris Bueller's it's not even close. It's not even close. Yeah. I, this movie is everything to me. It's joyous. It's, it's a it, celebration of life. It's so, so Ferris Bueller's day off. Matthew Broderick is Ferris Bueller. Alan Ruck is Cameron Fry. Mia Sarah is Sloan, Sloan Peterson. 86 by the way. And John Hughes wrote and directed. Yes. Uh, Jeffrey Jones as Ed Rooney yep. and Jennifer Gray as the wonderful Jeannie Bueller. Yeah. And Charlie Sheen just being awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Charlie Sheen 40, 40, stayed awake for 48 hours so he could look strung out. Yeah, because he really needed to do he that. He really needed right. to do that, right? Um, this movie, I mean, look, it's about taking, it's playing hooky from school. It's hanging out with your best friend before you go to college. Well, it's about defying social structure yeah. and just going for life. And and and, and this, this zen approach that Bueller takes to life, yeah. the, the lessons embedded in his words. Robin Williams in Dead Poet Society, like yes. his general life view, yes. Ferris is living it. The part about Ferris Bueller's Day Off that to me resonates with like- The car? Who, with, yeah, I love the car. <laughs> with who John Hughes is, is that the moral lessons taught in this movie don't feel like they're jammed down your throat. No. Like the, it's, it's just this really light, fun reminder that life- can pass you by yeah. so you better stop like you don't see the cameron transition coming until the very end and you're like holy schmoly but it makes perfect sense yeah it, it doesn't come out of the blue and it doesn't feel forced every character is perfect Although I, his dad probably got him arrested there yeah there, <laughs> there was never really a follow-up where like children's protective services was called because he his dad's to death, yeah. death yeah but th this movie has everything and it never for how outrageous it is yeah like you you find yourself buying into the fact that yeah i do think ferris bueller would get on that float i do think yeah. he could pull this off he he is the most confident, just wonderful character I've ever. Uh, he's my favorite character in all. Well, film. that everything he does works out. That yeah. he catches the foul ball and yeah. later it turns off the snooze. Right. Like everything fits together like a puzzle perfectly. But it's great that in the background of that, you have, you know, Cameron talking with Ferris's girlfriend saying like, everything always turns out good for Ferris. Yeah. Like, like a, a, a sweet jealousy, not like a mean jealousy. Yeah. You know, it's just everything about this is great. Even, even the, the sibling relationship. That oh, takes place. I, I love that. That's like so great. Like yeah. she grows yeah. through this whole thing. Yeah. And then just the little things like the Save Ferris t-shirts and, <laughs> and Ed Rooney just plays the perfect, you know, uh, the perfect anti-Ferris. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I told you, Charlie Sheen stayed awake for 48 hours, yeah. which was great. Do you know they wanted John Candy for Cameron? Yes. <laughs> but he's too old. Yeah, that, that would have been, been terrible. a little bit weird. <laughs> a little bit weird. would have been insane. A little odd. Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Pretty in Pink, Breakfast Club, they're safe. We've saved those three. The are the, the Mo and Max Avengers. Anything else we do, I feel okay. You know what I mean? Like, at least oh, we have say that now. I don't know. All right. So on the flip side, right? Balance. On the flip side of this. <laughs> you, we, you being a fan of something? Yeah, I'm, I am. I am. I am the mad titan. Uh It'll help us get into the middle of the of this list. What are three movies that we're okay losing? So you got to go class reunion, right? Yeah. So it's interesting. I I never had seen class reunion. I, I just I just watched it for the oh, first time. It? Oh yeah. Yeah. I watched both class reunion and Nathan Hayes, um, which you call Savage Island, but the reason it was called Savage Island is it was rebranded that way in New Zealand. But the real original movie is Nathan Hayes. Got it. Um, which I just found out too, which is super weird. But we'll sure. talk about the New Zealand connection to that. Class Reunion's plot sounds nuts. Two two of the movies that I strike right away are those. Is and it a horror movie? So yes, and it's it's like a spoofy, goofy horror movie. They uh, they have a classmate that they get stuck in an institution. Yeah, and ten years seventy two. Ten years later, he's escaped. Um, he's just wreaking hell around their reunion. And Chuck Berry's playing at the reunion. Yeah, it, the whole <laughs> thing is so weird. It's not a terrible, terrible. It's your cousin Marvin. <laughs> Here's that new sound you were talking about. It's just the mental institution guy killing people. It's it's not a terrible movie. Is scary? It's no, it's not scary. Oh. It's not a terrible movie. It's just not on the, anywhere on the same level as the other movies we're talking about. So I want to be clear on these first three that we're gonna whack. That's kind of philosophically how I would look at it. Yeah, no like, one. I've never had a class reunion discussion with anybody. Have you? No. There you go. It's not. I mean, look. It's the the Lizzie Borden high school class of '72. That's about all you walk away from. And there yeah. are some definitely funny moments in it. Um, there's a girl that's possessed mm-hmm. uh, by the devil, and she like makes a drink bubble over. There's. It's interesting because you'll see characters in that movie that then show up later in movies like Ferris Bueller's Day oh, cool. Off and other stuff. Because now you know why they were casted originally. Yeah. yeah. And I think it was his first uh, first script ever turned into yep. a film, right? Um, but he didn't direct this. So he co-wrote Nicholas Tesla. Yeah, but he didn't get he didn't get primary writing. Credit, which is why we didn't even count it yep. on this. Um, and then Nathan Hayes is a whole other hot mess. But so Nate, Tommy Lee Jones and Michael O'Keefe. Right. So Michael O'Keefe, for those that don't remember, is uh, Danny Noonan. Danny Noonan yeah, yeah. from Caddyshack. You know, he's actually, you know what I remember him from almost more than Caddyshack? Nothing. No, uh, Roseanne. He played uh, Jackie's boyfriend on Roseanne oh, yeah. for like decades, or for, yeah. felt like for decades. Um, <laughs> that show felt like it was for decades. It did. This movie was swashbuckling adventure. It, it it actually was argued that this is the this movie is the reason that a swashbuckling adventure movie was not made from 1983 until Pirates of the Caribbean. Really? <laughs> yeah, they, they did so poorly that they were like, "Yeah, we're good with this. We don't need this particular thing." <laughs> People don't want this. They changed the movie to cater to fans of exploitation movies. Um, I guess uh, it was produced as a tax shelter movie with New Zealand money okay. um, and it sold to Paramount. I don't know how all this produced. It did kick off though, a big stretch of the production of films in New Zealand and Fiji, apparently like that's not like, do you remember how like a few years ago, Toronto got really yeah, big. Yeah, Detroit did it for yeah, a while. Like, I think that, that was the kickoff for that yeah. as well. It's one of a handful of movies to trigger the MPAA's PG-13 rating uh, due to graphic violence. I gotta see it. Yeah. It's, was it good? No, not oh. at all. <laughs> it, it, it stole some time from my life, but again, I like Tommy what's Lee it, Jones. What's it like seeing Tommy Lee Jones young? Does he still look old? Yes. <laughs> he is one of those, the great Paul. He's one yeah. of those people he never looked young. Um, Face like a used catcher's man. Easy, easy two movies for us to knock. Yep. This is where it gets a little trickier. No, Max. it doesn't. Yes, it does. This third one's easy. What do you have for your third She's one? She's having a baby. No, Gotta go. I can't do it. Are you serious? We're going to have our first conversation right now. 
Kevin Bacon is not meant to be the everyman, ever. Look at his career. He's an X-Man supervillain. He's in Tremors. He's in Hollow Man. He's invisible. He's a dancing king in Footloose. He's not meant to be the Joe Schmo. I'm in an ad firm and I'm sad. It doesn't work. I can't just. He's too unique. I I just, I can't chop this one as easy as you're chopping this one. You know, it's bad. It's not bad. Kevin Bacon plays Jake Briggs. Yep. Elizabeth McGovern plays Christy Biggs. Terribly. I really don't like her. Do you like her? (laughs) I do like her in this. Bad short haircut. Alec Baldwin in one of his best roles. Doesn't play a role. Davis McDonald. He literally just rolled up. He's like, I'm Alec Baldwin. Let's go. This movie was filmed at the same time as the great outdoors and planes, trains, and automobiles. If you look at Briggs's BMW, it says uh, the license plate says S H A B. Yeah. She's having a baby. Yeah, it's Hughes's, Hughes's it's signature. Hughes's yeah, thing. Yeah. I can't dismiss this because this movie broke John Hughes's heart. This was real personal to him. This was his life story, and it was a commercial flop. We're not making a violin solo for John Hughes. We're, making the, we're making the greatest Whatever. movies. Okay, I'll give you some interesting facts, and I'll tell you why I don't think we should cut this one. Um, Elizabeth, why can't I say her name? Elizabeth McGovern, who you don't like. Yep. She she turned down the role of Ariel in Footloose. Did you know that? No, but I'm glad. <laughs> you like her? She's very annoying. I like her. I like her. She's not that bad. The cry that was used for the baby. So you remember when he's walking around with the, the random baby that he was given and he goes into the women's dressing room and they're yep. all like topless in there. I love when Kevin Bacon is And nobody babies. sees nobody sees him in there, but then all of a sudden uh, the baby cries. Yep. That's the same cry sound that they used uh, for Mogwai in the animated Jungle Book movie. That's random. <laughs> That's super random. Yeah. I dug deep on that one for you. Well, and also the pregnancy scene, you know, they made the song just for that movie. Yeah, yeah. I do. Yeah. yeah. There's also another Kate song. Th- there's another song. It's, in it. so it's like, corny. oh, she's having a baby. <laughs> the music's terrible it's, in this. It's the best. How the dare lawnmower, you? The lawnmower dance How number. dare you say it's terrible? Um, no one's likable in this movie. I, my favorite scene in the movie is the beginning of the movie when his best friend Davis is in the car, the red sports car, right before the wedding. And he looks at him and goes, we can split, but you'd be back tomorrow. <laughs> and they have this big conversation about, you know, whether you should leave or not leave. Yeah, you'll be happy. You and, just won't know it. Yeah, I, that quote is incredible. You'll, yeah, you'll be happy. You just won't know it. That's all. And then he says one last time, you don't have to go through with this. You can walk. You say the word and we're out of here. I feel like that is a staple in all best men. Like all best men in tongue in cheek, whatever, when their friends are getting Did married. Your best man say that yes. Too? Every per- I said it to mine. Everybody says it. Hey, we can still bail if we need to. Don't worry about it. Just the voiceover doesn't work for me. Bacon as a voiceover. Normally it works. Oh man. I really do like this movie a lot. You know, you're wrong. <sighs> You do. You got to go. Pick right. other battles. You're right. That's the problem. You have bad footing. The problem is, is there's going to the be there's going to be tougher. I have the high ground. This is definitely in the bottom quarter, but I just don't know if I should be killing it. Uh, all right. We have three we're for sure keeping and yeah. three we're for sure getting rid of. Fun fact, by the way, you know, Kevin Bacon's character is in planes, trains, and automobiles. Right. Too. When he yeah. goes to get the cab. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Steve him. Martin looks at the cab. I do yeah. remember that. Yeah. I love like that's something fun about Hughes as well. Yeah. That And it almost the Hughes is, verse. It's, it's like almost the MCU verse. It, that, so it's almost ironic. We use the Thanos because they do a lot of that, too, with all of the MCU stuff. But like that's John Hughes had all these like little tips of the hat to himself. Yeah. Also, even to earlier stuff, like a lot of Blues Brothers references, Saturday Night Live references. Yeah. The restaurant they use in Ferris Bueller is the same one from Blues Brothers. Right. Right. right, right. Fire. Well, then uh, which wedding is it? White wedding. No, not 16 candles at the wedding at 16 candles yeah. in the audience. Well, the preacher is Bill Murray's brother. Yeah. And in the audience, Who's the Christmas are, vacation boss. Yep. And in the audience are Belushi's parents. That's weird. Yeah. It's just super random, right? What God, the things I know. All right. So all right, Max, I guess that's the three we're cutting on the top and the bottom. I, you know, just, it's okay. Thanos just snapped the top keeping didn't bother me. Yeah. This, this emotionally two of them. I don't mind. I, like I said, can uh, we keep Kevin Bacon's nose? God, you're so weird with your weird. I body love his nose. Things. The pick nose. All right, Max, that takes us to the thick of it. We have 10 <laughs> movies right now yep. and we have to determine what five are staying right. And what five are going. Yep. Where do we begin? 
the top. Let's, the let's, top? let's let's start friendly at least. The ones that are staying. Yeah. All right. Give me you. Give me one. Give me one, and we'll see if I agree with you. So let's start off being friends. <laughs> let's. I know. I know you love this one. All right. And if you don't, just get out of here. All right. Uncle Buck. Oh yes, Uncle Buck stays. Got Uncle him. Buck isn't going anywhere. It's the lowest stakes movie of all time. Do you oh. realize, like, if nothing happens, if nothing gets resolved, it's just he goes back to not talking to his brother. That's it. No, that's literally it. Uncle Buck is. It's not even the, the fact that it's low stakes. I actually just that, that makes it lovable. I disagree. See, so I want to. I want to point something out before we go any further what? because this is going to be something that you and I struggle with. What? The reason that you love movies is so different than the reason that I love movies. Sometimes, like you, you have. I actually think this is a benefit to you. You have a more critical eye than I do. I am so emotionally attached to these movies. So like when you yeah, say, it's, when you say it's low stakes, I'm like, what do you mean it's low stakes? This is the retribution <laughs> of his family. This is him re-entering his family and being a part of it, re-establishing a relationship with his brother, having the admiration of his oldest niece, being the fun uncle to the twins. Like this is everything. And you're just like, these are all low like stakes, page 37 low <laughs> of how life goes. This yeah. is amazing. Uh, 1989, John Candy as Buck Russell. The cast of this is great, but I mean, obviously, Macaulay Culkin, everybody knows the him. Yeah, the best. He's great in this. I could watch him and John Candy just go back and forth forever. It's it. Yes, yes. The answer to your you question that you didn't answer. Yes. Um, so Bob and Cindy Russell. Bob Russell is Buck Russell, John Candy's brother. Um, what is her, does her mom pass away or what? I can't remember what happens. So her, they dad have to go. A, her dad has a heart attack. That's right. Her dad has a heart attack. They got to go. Yep. They can't find anyone to watch the kids, nope. so they decide they're going to call. Uncle, uncle Buck. Buck. Every family has got an Uncle Buck. Yeah, I'm the Uncle Buck. Of my Are you family. the Uncle Buck of your family? I don't think you're as bad as him, but like it's not. And here's cheese. And here's the thing about being the Uncle Buck of your family. It's not that you're not lovable. It's just that if I had to grab someone to watch my three kids, I'm not trusting you with a Fabergé egg. Exactly. Yeah. You're you're not the first choice. You're not the worst choice. Yeah. You're just somewhere in the middle, right? You're like, eh, something could go wrong. Something bad something might does happen. Go wrong. Yeah. yeah. Um. So they they call up Uncle Buck, and the the great thing about this is again going back to this kind of John Hughes sewing the fabric of life stories. Right. The oldest daughter is going through that phase where she hates her mom, which is like every teenage daughter drinks goes black coffee. Yeah. Dating like a communist. Grown up, yeah, too grown up for her own good. I something. It's it's weird. <laughs> yeah. And 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 Buck is just like this throwback yeah, buffoonish, embarrassed, but love. Like he's filled with love. There's All some he Archie does, Bunker in him too. A little, a little bit, bit yeah. a little bit. Um, and then you have the the two young kids, one played by Macaulay Culkin. And so good. The the best part of this entire movie. Well, let, let's talk about the 38 fun. consecutive questions. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> a couple things from this movie. You see the size of the toast. Do you know who was originally slated to play Uncle Buck? Danny DeVito. That would have been good. I don't. I I just love well, John Candy so much. So John Goodman. Tom Cruise, Michael Keaton, Dan Aykroyd, Robin Williams, Jack Nicholson. Yeah, that Jack, Jack, Jack Nicholson would have done it. Yeah, I would have been okay with Jack Nicholson. The Shining Part Two. The the scene uh, in Uncle Buck where they're interrogating Chanis through the mail slot. Yep. Is what started the idea for Home Alone. Really, I that was the that, that was the that, that was the inspiration yeah. for Home Alone. When Uncle Buck began filming, it was released in theaters, began filming, and on home video, all within 1989. It all took place in 1989. Wow, that's a they lot. They filmed, released, and went to VHS all in the same year. So it didn't do well in theaters. Then? No, it's great. Oh, it's just the timing. Again, this is like the timing mechanism of how everything yeah. was working. You know about Buck's car because I listed it as my fantasy vehicle. Yeah. Do you know how they make that noise? By the way, no. they used a gunshot and a firecracker. Oh, see, I thought you were going to tell me they got tone low because <laughs> you know that's the theme song right yeah yeah uh 1977 mercury marquee bro you love that car i love that car there's a ton of parts about this movie that i love it's the best john candy performance
moments all the time. Oh, it is. You're probably right. Because he's he's got a command of the room. Well, you haven't seen Armed and Dangerous yet, but anyways. <laughs> Has uh, anyone embarrassed you like this before? Just a long pause. <laughs> One of my favorite scenes in this movie is when he meets the assistant principal. He fumbles over his words and says the word like melanoma, wart, growth, tumor. <laughs> uh, and then the most, the most quoted part of this movie ever flips, uh, turns to her and says, flips a quarter and says, take this quarter, go downtown and have a rat gnaw that thing off your face. Good day to you, madam. <laughs> that is the most quoted part of this movie. I think the 38 consecutive questions, people use that on TikTok all the time. Really? Like, yeah. No, the war for me growing yeah. up, that wart thing was everywhere. Or the pancakes. I love the, the pancakes. Giant, the giant great. pancakes. Giant pancakes are great. Yeah. Uh, this movie is beautiful, man. I mean, it's just like, I want to eat his eggs. You know, the end, the end, I want to eat his eggs. The end of this movie, the last scene where he does like a the freeze frame, a, a closed mouth smile. Yeah. It's the exact same smile he does in planes, trains and automobiles. Yeah. Yeah. To much better effect. Yeah. I, <laughs> We'll talk about planes, <laughs> trains, and automobiles in a moment. I'm and also the power drill opening the door scene. That's every, really good. Yeah. Everything about this movie yeah. is great. Okay, I'm with you. This yeah. is, we save this. And I will argue one thing. You say it's like heartfelt and makes you feel emotions. When he's looking through the wedding photos and he realized he's not in the wedding photo that it's cut underneath, that hit me actually. Like a little bit. I was like, oh. <laughs> Too close to home? Maybe my sister has a picture like that. <laughs> I love that. Your sister loves you. You're not that bad. I know. During the time of our wedding, I wasn't the best person. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, hey, you know what? Now's your chance for redemption. Love you, Katie. There you go. Perfect. <laughs> so, I can't. I shouldn't be laughing at you, but I can't help it. You're so honest. You just bared yourself. Yeah. I love it. Um, all right. So we're saving Uncle Buck. Yep. I, you are correct. I, I will live with you saving. Max, I think since I'm the one who has like a serious emotional issue, I might just let you pick all of these and then I'll wait until I freak out on you when you pick one I don't like. Okay, cool. So what's the next one that you think we should be saving? Watched this last night, way better than I remembered, Christmas Vacation. Yeah. National Lampoons. It's so heartfelt, actually. So I'm going to pause you. Okay. I'm going to pause you for a moment. You basically are saying, forget the other movies, because yep. there's other movies that we have to argue at some point have to be on this list, but you are basically saying that of the three vacation movies, this is the one that you want the most. So think about it this way. The European vacation. European, I can live without. Because there's no Cousin Eddie. Right. It's impossible. You, nailed, you nailed it. Impossible. You nailed it. I can't. If, and now again, that doesn't mean that we don't like European vacation. No. But we we have to get rid of five yeah. on this remaining 10 out of the 16 if you're following at home. So I get why we would say no to European. But my, my argument is you take this over the original. So my central argument is the Margot and Todd hate factor in this movie. You have someone else to hate that's not Clark Griswold. Because in, in the first one, in Vacation, it's just Clark who's the heel. Aunt Edna. Aunt she, Edna. She dies, though. I know, but <laughs> she is so great. But Marco and Todd are, like, lovable to hate. And, 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 and uh, Rusty and his sister are better in the first one than they are in this one. That oh, is true. I, yeah. I, but Clark, but Clark's a real human being in this one. Like you actually feel for him when he's in the attic looking at old movies and kind of just reminiscing when he's doing the lights. There's more like wins for him too. You know, there's more positivity in this movie. Vacation is just more of a downtrodden. Let's laugh at Clark and the Griswold. This one has a heart and it's funny. It is funny. Where's the Tylenol? <laughs> <laughs> so it was based on a short story called Christmas 59. Yeah. Uh, Clark's boss. I think you mentioned Bill Murray's uh, brother. Yep. Uh, do you know that Cousin Eddie is actually based on someone that Randy Quaid knows? Oh, oh my God. <laughs> and, and Randy Quaid's not the most normal it's person It's probably Randy Quaid just saying that. I know. Yeah. It's one of his personalities. Yeah. Dude, when Cousin Eddie is only getting dog food at the grocery store. Oh, my God, store, dude. Like, Every, like everything, he does, everything he does. Everything he does. you serious, Clark? When uh, <laughs> when the police bust in and Beverly, they say freeze and Beverly D'Angelo grab uh, grabs his crotch. I guess they only did one take of that. Yeah. It was it was impromptu and yeah. she didn't do it again, but they ended up using it. They're singing the national anthem at the end. Oh, my God. That's so funny. <laughs> it just, uh, and also, do you know the 
voice of Betty Boop is one of the uh, yeah. That's yeah. the 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 aunt the that's older aunt and Bethany. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I did know that. R.I.P. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Go Johnny. <laughs> Johnny. Yeah, there you go. She's dead. Johnny Gelke and uh, Johnny Gelke and Juliet uh, Lewis play Audrey and Rusty. And yep. I think this was their kind of breakout moment as well. Yeah, the dude who plays Rusty is the Big Bang guy. Yeah, but before that, Roseanne. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. I always um, forget that. You always forget Roseanne. Why do you like Roseanne so much? I grew. I love Roseanne. Yeah. I just. It, uh, I. I grew up watching it. Flannel and sad couches. Oh like, come no, on, dude. No. Come on. Yeah. So what's wrong with this one? It's not. It's not. There's wrong. The robe. The earmuffs. I. I love Christmas Vacation. There's nothing wrong with it. The issue is we only have a certain amount of spots here. This is the best Christmas movie of the era, though. Correct. It is the best Christmas of the era. I mean, we talk about holiday oh, movies. Pr- all the- Prancer. <laughs> Shut your mouth. Hey, look, come on. How do you not love Prancer? You're sitting down. You'd rather watch Prancer than this? Oh, man. No, Jesus. No. All right. I, put, <laughs> put a pin in this one. We're going to come back to it. What? Okay. I, I, can't give you, I can't give you a clean. Are we just going to be all pins? <laughs> no. I didn't, pins? Give, I didn't give you a pin on the first one you gave. Okay. What was the first one you gave? I already forgot. Uncle Buck. Uncle Buck. There's no pin yeah. on that. I said, Uncle this Buck down. is good. write this down. Please write this down. You're in charge. Write it down. Now's a great time for uh, our ads <laughs> so that Max can write everything down and get caught up. So let's take a break. Buzz in the Tower is brought to you by Capsiva Pain Relieving Gel. And I can tell you that if you're sitting at a table across from a guy who has to go to the bathroom every 25 minutes, you're going to get arthritis. You're going to get muscle soreness, psoriasis. Um, Capsiva is all natural. It's okay. (laughs) Capsiva is all natural and designed to increase blood flow for the healing and pain relief process. Uh, Try it for free at capsiva.com. That's C-A-P-S-I-V-A.com. And uh, you know, Max, I'm an old man, and I need this kind of stuff. It works. is It's it's great stuff. Yeah, it's like Wilford Brimley in Cocoon. You know what I mean? It's, you feel revitalized. It, that's exactly what it's like. Buzz in the Tower is also brought to you by Lindsay Larrabee Photography. Uh, if you have checked out our website, hopefully you have. You've seen the amazing photos that were put up there. Lindsay, so good. Yeah, Lindsay and her team did all of those. She teased my hair. She was, she was fun to work with. Uh, just made the whole experience really exciting for us. She has been taking photos of families, children, and smiles in Metro Detroit since 2017. Um, She loves what she does, and it shows. She works with her clients, catches everything in the moment, and adores watching the connections and relationships unfold in front of her lens. If you mention Buzz in the Tower, you get $25 off any family session in 2021. You can find Lindsay on our website under our sponsors page. Uh, Check her up and get some work done. She is fantastic. Yeah, she made us look good. She can make anyone look good. So it's a good thing we took that break because uh, you know me. I can barely remember if I'm coming or going. Yeah, well, Thanos snaps the paper. Right. disappears. Right. So we, so far, uh, our Thanos snap is getting rid of National Lampoon's class reunion. Yep. Uh, Nate and Hayes, and she's having a baby. Get over it. And we're keeping uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off Pretty in Pink. Breakfast Club, Happy Uncle Buck, yep, and we put pin. we put a pin in Christmas Vacation. Whatever, Max. What do you got for the next one that we are keeping? Mind you, we've got one, two, three, four, five. Uh, so we've got three more that we can keep. You're gonna fight me on this one. I can already tell. I'm ready. I'm ready to fight. It's Mr. Mom. I'm fighting you on this one. Yeah, I knew it. we're not keeping Mr. Mom. And Why? in fact, I've, I've, Mr. Mom is a great movie. Yeah. If you put it, if you put it against the catalog, it's not in his top 75% of movies. There's no way. But it's so campy. And, and here's the thing. Here's how I'll defend myself. You know more than anyone that the reason that I love RoboCop, Beverly Hills Cop, and any, any movie that has to do with Michigan or Detroit, you know, I'm all over it. The opening scene of Mr. Mom. Okay. Jack played by Michael Keaton, his wife played by Terry Garr. 
Caroline Butler, is wearing a Michigan sweatshirt. Go blue. He, he goes to the manufacturing line for the auto industry. Yeah. He works for one of the big three, I assume. Obviously. He walks in. He talks with the guys on the line. They're a little bit down. What does he say to him? Rocky. What do you got? No. Before Rocky. Oh, okay. You missed this part. Before Rocky, he says, oh, what's what's going on? You guys down? Is, it's, is it the Lions? Don't worry. It's just the preseason. Things are going to get better. You know of anyone. Like, I, I would love, like... It, so what's wrong with this movie? It's not as good as his other movies. It's campy and light. It's too light. It's too... It, 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 when you look at... You what, say that about croissants? No. Too light? So, Mr. Mom... Okay, big movie at the time because at, at it's awesome. There's a reason that this was such a big movie in the '80s. Number one, it's relatable. It, it's it's you have an influx of women going into the workplace. Yep. You have this subject being tackled that was never tackled before, and all of a sudden, babies were a big deal. Three men and a baby. Look who's talking. Yeah. Like all these movies were just pouncing all over the '80s. So yeah. great timing. Love it. You know how I feel about Michael Keaton. Like yeah. I love Michael. He's one of his great roles. It, it, not one of his great roles. It was his. This per, is a bad it man. was his. Per, you're out of your mind. Don't even <laughs> say that. To to How could you it. even say that with a straight face? Beetlejuice third. I'm sorry. I'm, 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 <laughs> wow. I need to. I need to take a deep breath. Want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. Um, Michael Keaton off of the heels, like we talked about, of doing Night Shift. Lejewaski. This is his first, like you know, number one role. Yep. He's the lead. Turned this, on Splash for this, by the, the way. Yeah, he this sets his whole career off. Yeah. This is fantastic. I'm, I, I love Michael Keaton, right? Uh, Ron Richardson, played by Martin Mull. Uh, Jeffrey Tambor. Martin great. Yeah, yeah, Jeffrey Tambor plays uh, Jinx. Christopher Lord, Lloyd yeah, is in yeah, this yeah. as Larry. So th- I'm not saying that I don't like this, right? Like the dream sequences with the soap opera, I related to that stuff. But here's, but here's the thing. Admitted by John Hughes, right? And, mm-hmm. and his partner on this. This isn't even as good as the script he wrote. It doesn't even feel entirely like a John Hughes script. Like there's there's a little there's not as much development of the peripheral characters, which is key. There's only development of two. John Hughes scripts typically have three like or the, four different substories. The women he's hanging out with seem like they're yeah, fully you developed. Would, like, yeah, that's that's so he's Hugh, married. Hugh, we were once too. How this got wrote was great. I, I'm giving you all the fun stuff about it. And I still think it has to be cut. He told Lauren Donner about his wife going to Arizona. This is Hughes told Lauren Donner about his wife going to Arizona um, and he had no idea what to do. And he, this literally led to this story. Like even, even like he had never been to the grocery store. He'd never operated a vacuum cleaner. Um, John, John was so ignorant and they thought it was hilarious. Yeah. John, (laughs) they fired John and brought in a group of TV writers at the end of this. This is the whole thing. I just Mm. mentioned to you about uh, spelling. That does feel like the ending of the movie when they're sitting on the stairs and nothing's been resolved. Yeah. They muscled (laughs) him out. Um, Look, it's, it's a good, movie uh, this is the quote from uh the producer he worked with but if you had read john's original script it was better so that to me is already like a knock against the movie uh hughes rejected directing the movie because they wanted to do it in la and not in chicago which i okay. think is, is great so it, all the elements that make a classic john hughes film were ripped away from this movie do you enjoy watching this movie i liked the movie i liked every other movie on this list except for reunion and savage islands i liked everyone more like i wow. and, and and look I'm not telling you, like Mr. Mom outgrossed vacation. Like it's, it, tuna, it was, it was, it was a, I, this, this is America. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to suffer with you. Kenny, don't paint your sister. Doesn't that hit home with you? <laughs> yes. That's the thing too. Is like the whoopee stuff. Have you it's, done that? It's, talk? it's too over the top. No, what? no dad is that ignorant. No dad. I'm the most ignorant dad in the world who yeah. barely knows how to take care of myself, let alone my kids. And I'm not as buffoonish as he was in this movie. Okay. So I, I, there's no way, not only am I not going to let you have this as a keep movie, I'm putting this to the snap list. This is, this is coming right after she's having a baby. Okay. Yeah, I guess you can't keep this one over yeah. others. What are you going to no, keep no. it over? You're going to have to give somewhere. Yeah, there are, there are some that we'll get to that, well, <laughs> but I'm, I'll, I'll make you a deal. I'm putting this. No, as, no, no, trash it. Dump you're it. right. Yeah. All right, good. We're trashing it. Yeah. 
I'm sorry, Michael. Oh, man. Keaton. I'm so fired up. My cheeks are so red right now. Um, You stomped your way to a victory. Well, you took... She's having a baby away from me. You knew. That from sounds me. really emotional and terrible. <laughs> you took my baby from me. Max, is that my child? What is your... What is your next? That's a great scene. That's the thing on all these. These aren't bad movies. I just can't justify keeping them over other movies. That's yeah, all. That's all. Okay, let's let's get that taste out of our mouth. All let's right, go ahead. Right, right, right. This one you're not going to fight me on, I don't think. Uh, if you do, not. I hope. I might not. You never know. What do you got? Weird science. Don't fight me on weird science. There's a reason I have to fight you on weird science. Shut up. I have. There's a reason. Because when you, when, you, when you look at the other movies we have to keep, we can't keep Weird Science. This is every kid's dream. By the way, can we talk about something really quickly that's incredible about Weird Science as I'm sitting here Everything? telling you? We have no, Lisa? There's, there's one thing in particular. You and I never talk about this, ever, and we need to start talking about this. Do you know the who kitchen was blue? Do you know who produced this movie? Steven Spielberg. No. Joel Silver. You and I need to have a conversation about Joel Silver. He produced 48 Hours, Brewster's Millions, Weird Science. Okay. Then, do you know what he went to after that? What? Commando, Predator, Lethal Weapon, Die Hard, Roadhouse, and Die Hard 2. Do producers matter? Yes. Okay. When you have that lineup, yeah. yes. That but is that like, is incredible. I feel like once you're a great producer, you just kind of get linked to everything. No. Because you get the green light on No, that. no, no. Because on a lot of these movies as the producer, he's the one who is, like, you might have a writer who's got a good idea. You might have a director who's got a good idea. The producer's the one who's pitching and getting the funding for it. So he is putting it. He's putting the team together. Stop distracting from the weird science. Okay, talk. but I'm saying we got to talk about Joe Silver at some I, point. Another time, we're talking about 16 John Hughes movies. And <sighs> you're like, let's talk about a producer. Gary Wallace, played by Anthony Michael Hall. Yeah. Lisa, played by Kelly LeBrock, which, by the way, on our last episode, you said Lisa was named after Mona Lisa. She's, She's named after the Apple computer Lisa. Yeah. So there you go. Watching, no, in the, wait, did John Hughes say that or? I don't know. I just read it somewhere. It must be true. Okay. It was on the interweb. I watched the movie yesterday. And he's, it's, no, no, I, I have the right answer for this. No way. Okay. It's because Gary's old girlfriend or the girl he likes. That's what I said on our episode. And you shut me up. I go, he used to like a girl uh, whose name was Lisa. And you go, no, Mo, it was named after Mona Lisa. You just, how dare you? You literally just entrapped yourself. And I want, I want a full apology right now. No. Yes. We're moving on. I'm going to pull the clip when I edit this of you telling me I was wrong about this. Okay. I knew that was the reason. I hate you. God. <laughs> Then why do you have a wrong answer right now, too? Well, because the, the because in the movie versus what they actually did are two different things. In the movie, that's why they named her. The reason that John Hughes named her was Lisa the Apple II, was the Lisa. Apple II. Yeah, okay. yeah. So I was right on both accounts. Got it. Wyatt Donnelly, played by uh, Elon Michael Smith, Mitchell Smith, excuse me. Chet. He's got some great legs. Chet. When he's wearing the underwear. Well, he was a ballerina. He was a professionally no trained way. ballerina. Really? Yeah. That makes sense. There you go. He's very comfortable very in his comfortable panties. Very comfortable in his panties, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Chet Donnelly, Put one of the on. best, best roles ever. Yeah. Uh, Big Brother Chet, played by the late, great Bill Paxton. Um, and then Deb and Hilly, who were in some horror films. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. as, really good. Uh, as Ian. Look, the, uh, Vernon Wells uh, as the Lord General, reprising yeah. his role Bennett. from Mad Max. No, Mad Max. <laughs> no, no, but he's Bennett, he, I know he's, don't yeah. tell me he's Bennett. Like, I don't know he's Bennett. Why don't you let off some steam before you tell me he's Bennett, okay? okay? Uh upsetting like you. Yeah, of course I know Vernon. And also, another point on Vernon Wells, he is going to be one of the uh, guests at our buddy Timmy Gibson at Back to the 80s with a Z, uh, that Smoky Mountain Fan Fest they're doing. Oh, cool. Well, it'll be very cool. And uh, for Rigno, too. I, yeah, I want uh, some signed autographs. We'll talk to Timmy about that for you sure. Let's go to Tennessee. Let's do it. I want a picture of him saying let off some steam Mo. <laughs> that's all i want um all right look i love weird science i yeah. love this movie so this isn't an argument of me saying i don't love it everything about dogs it, on the ceiling max it's a great it's a great movie it's a great movie look right? bill paxton's butt all the stories even like uh what's his face was 14 years old when he was kissing the kissing scene with kelly lebrock he yeah, stuck he his tongue down, down his throat like, yeah kick your butt yeah, yeah. like yeah. the fact that uh uh what's his face robert downey jr used to take dumps in everybody's trailer yeah it's <laughs> like i think bad. those like there's a million stories about this that are great 
Just how, the David Lee Roth of it all, too, right. in the party. It's great. It's a great movie. But, Max, the problem is when you start looking at the movies that are left, we have to reconcile 16 Candles, European Vacation, Some Kind of Wonderful, Great Outdoors, and Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. I can't put... I can, on, Over some of these, I can. Yeah. I can't put Weird Science so put it in, in for now, eight, and we'll see if we can kick it out. Another pin? No. Another pin? We didn't pin. We got rid of Mr. Mom. I didn't say Mr. Mom. No. I? This is... Mr. Mom's out. Yeah, Mr. Mom's out. So this is in until it gets kicked out. Oh, fine. We're going to treat it differently. It's not going to be in very long. Whatever. I do love weird science. I mean, being pantsed in the gym, you don't feel anything like that? Do you know, do you know... Slushies poured on you at the mall? <laughs> did you ever watch the TV series, the Weird Science TV series? No. So there's a, there's a TV series, and John Hughes didn't know about it until he saw a promo for it, and he goes, boy, this is a lot like weird science. Like, am I getting paid for this? Like, they literally licensed it and did it without his knowledge, so... And also, one of the great party scenes. Oh, the party's fantastic. His I, grandparents? I love yeah. his grandparents yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. uh no i mean it, and I, she makes hors d'oeurves she has like caviar and she's stuff great going. dude yeah. this, this how about best. how about when she meets uh gary's parents oh yeah that whole scene she is, has a gun on him <laughs> dirty hairy wise you're like <laughs> what movie is this <laughs> the whole it's yeah. great i love weird science i love 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 the naked we, girl and the we piano. just did an episode yeah. called weird sciencing the perfect so 80s how you, action how you betray your <laughs> because there's better there's better all right go next one some kind of wonderful. I, we're keeping that for sure. Ooh, You're not going to get me to fight right, on that. All right. Some kind of wonderful 1987. This is essentially the gender reversal of Pretty in Pink. Yeah, pretty much. And, but, but I'm fine with that. Like, I, it speaks more to me, quite frankly, than Pretty in Pink. And they end up together. I am. You picked Pretty in Pink as one of the movies that we for sure keep. Yeah. If you had picked this as one of them, right. I'd be fine with that. Part of me likes this more than Pretty in Pink. What? Why? Uh, because I love Eric Stoltz. He got he wasn't right for Back to the Future, yeah. except that, that he had to pull off that. But I, I think he's great in this movie. He's got that quiet cool. But like I like my central John Hughes characters to be funnier. Does he have any funny lines? No, in this? he doesn't. It's because this isn't as funny. This isn't a sixteen candles. Well, Pretty, Watt, this is more well, like Pretty in Pink. Watts is funny. Watts is my number one. Okay. Number one. 1980s crush 1980s that's stupid it goes watts elizabeth shoe <laughs> polly's robot from froggy four <laughs> absolutely happy birthday mo <laughs> don't you bring up don't you bring up I polly's robot. I got so excited. You, were, you were just looking for her drop you wanted me to do it i haven't done rocky rocky yeah. in a long time either <laughs> there it is <laughs> um Eric Stoltz is Keith Nelson. Mary Stewart Masterson is Watts. Leah Thompson is Amanda Jones. This is great. I've got a great like Howard. Amanda? I got a Howard the Duck thing for you. Uh, Leah Thompson turned down this role initially mm. because she didn't want to be second fiddle to uh, Watts's character to Mary right. Stewart Masterson. But when Howard the Duck flopped, she reassessed her life and yeah. said, I got to do damage <laughs> control. So she went back and took this well, it worked role. Out. She married the director. Right. She Who stalked her. Really? Do you know the story about what he did? I don't like the story. It's it's not stock. Stock's a strong word, but this is aggressive, right? So the do you know the scene where Keith is painting the picture of her? Yeah. So the director had like dozens of those painted and kept on saying it's not the right one it's not the he right one him? jack not only oh, kept them but so he much. spent like eighty thousand dollars <laughs> of their budget <laughs> on just having all of these portraits made of leah thompson it's worth it but they got married and they're still together yeah. so yeah. there you go beautiful story <laughs> <laughs> so sketchy. <laughs> Deutsch and Hughes uh, would work on some kind of wonderful script. This is the one I was saying before, like late into the night, rewriting it. And then Deutsch would fall asleep. And then Hughes would write the first half of Ferris Bueller's Day Off, which I just think is incredible to That's me. Right? It's interesting. Hardy's great too. Deutsch, <laughs> Deutsch left the production of this and uh, Martha Coolidge stepped in and she, oh, no way. Real genius? And, yep. And she is the one actually who hired Eric Stoltz, but Hughes didn't like the way that Coolidge was taking it. Mm. So fired her 
And when I say fired her, Hughes didn't fire her. Hughes had the producer fire her, okay. which was devastating. And the, when you listen to her story about yeah. it, like she gets called into the office. The producer was like in tears, was like, I'm sorry, get all your stuff and get off the lot. Oh, and then he begged Deutsch to come back, who came back and did the rest of the film. And years later, she like ran into Hughes at an airport and he acted yeah. like nothing had even happened. I've heard some stories of Hughes being a not so wonderful human yeah. being sometimes. Bill Paxton didn't want to take the Ferris Bueller parking lot attendant role. He never asked him to do anything ever again. Right. Yeah, and it was like a little below him at the time. Yeah, but or I, Molly Ringwald was like, "I'm done with teen comedies because you know I'm not a teen." Well, Anthony Michael Hall had a huge falling out. He never did anything with Hughes after yeah. Weird Science. They it, had a big falling. It's the out. whole I'm an artist thing. You know, he's this great artist. Yeah, and I think when he has muses, I mean, he wrote Sixteen Candles because he saw Molly Ringwald's headshot. Right. Do you I, know what I mean, like, I think he has this attachment to his actors that they didn't have with him. I, and I he got spurned. I additionally think that he watched so many people early in his career butcher his work mm -hmm. that he became a control freak, and a lot of very creative people are like that. So I, I give him a pass. I've just have heard some stories like this where I'm like, oh, that's rough. Yeah, because Beethoven's a masterpiece. <laughs> Don't speak ill of him. <laughs> oh, that's really good. That's really good. Um, I love this movie. I have no problem keeping this movie. Okay, I think cool. it's the most, it is, in my opinion, it's the most underrated of all of his movies. Yeah. Like people gl like gloss over this and it's my favorite teen romance. It's it's kind of a comedy. And then what's the detention boy? That's too. what I say. The guy who played with the bald, the shaved head. The skinhead. Yeah, the skinhead. I can't remember uh, what's the actor's name. He's in a bunch of stuff. Uh, it's escaping me right now. Elias, Elias, something like that. But he's great. I loved him in this. Yeah. Um, yeah look, I mean, it's better swallow pride than blood. <laughs> great line. How about when he does his artwork and he rips the desk off to yeah. show him like I just I yeah. love I love I love yeah. this movie. I love Watts. It's I love cool. Watts. The mechanic aspect of it too. And then he's on the train tracks when yeah. he comes on it's like this guy's on the wrong side. Yeah, yeah, of the, yeah. Track. the wrong side of the tracks. Literally. <laughs> Only LA film for Hughes. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. again, I th was it a weather issue for the, the, the no, it's not the only one. There's another one. This Uncle, is the beginning. I think Uncle Buck. Oh no, that wasn't LA. It was done like in Wisconsin or this Denver the, this or something. the first non-Chicago one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, cool. So we got one. We're good. We got that one. So we got two right now out of five, right? Yes. So what we did just to recap, because this gets a little confusing with the numbers, I'm very you, confused. you know, I'm terrible with the numbers. There are 16 movies overall. Right. We immediately said there are three we're keeping and three we're getting rid of. Mm. That leaves us with 10 because as we all know, 16 minus six is 10. Of right. the ten remind of the ten remaining, it's five of them, like, five of them have to be snapped. Five have to be saved, right? So of the Thanos five, the of the five that we, I am algebraic. <laughs> of the five that we're keeping, we have just rattled off Uncle Buck, Christmas Vacation, and some kind of wonderful. So we have two spots left. However, we have a pin in Christmas Vacation. So stupid. Not stupid. And do we have a pin in anything else? Did I put a pin in one of the bottom ones, or do you, you let me have it? You well, let me steamroll you. So is Weird Science in kind of right now, or no? Mm, you just ignored it. You just came, did you I skip yeah, over it? Yeah, yeah you you're right. It. You said we had to keep it in, so we yeah. have Weird Science. So I screwed the numbers up. So that means okay, Max. Okay, screw it, screw it. Let's get the vacation talk over right now. Let's you, talk you know it's coming. Yeah. But it's, not, it's not just vacation, though. We have we have a couple talks here. We still have great outdoors, planes, trains. Let's just but do whoever it. wins the vacation Christmas vacation battle is going to be in. Nobody makes me bleed my own blood. Shut <laughs> your mouth and listen to me for a second. There's too many wedding crasher. There's quotes. way too many wedding crasher quotes. We have we have to talk about the great outdoors, planes, trains, and automobiles vacation. Can we at least establish we can argue European vacation? We booted. Yeah, but let's let's go vacation against Christmas vacation and keep one. Yes, let's do that. You're right. right. You're right. Yeah, I hate saying that, but you're right. Yeah. But you were wrong, just so we're clear about how they named Lisa in Weird Science. No. Yes. <laughs> but, but you're right about this. <laughs> okay. Oh, let's talk about the original vacation. We okay. talked about Christmas vacation. Let's go to the original vacation. Max, the 1983 Chevy Chase vehicle, National Lampoon's Vacation. Yeah, I love this movie. Clark Griswold, Ellen Griswold, Aunt Edna. 
Cousin Cousin Eddie. Yeah. And then Anthony Michael Hall as Rusty and Dana Barron as Audrey. Whoa, Christy Brinkley. Slow your roll. Of course. Ferrari. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Boo you. Well, this is yet another reason why we should be considering this over Christmas. It's I established like the, her I in like there. the Christmas vacation girl better. Well, I don't know. I don't know her name. Fun things about this movie that I found interesting. Number one, and this makes total sense. I remember being 13, 14 years old, and like one summer there's a picture of me where I'm like, you know, five foot one. The next summer I'm like six foot two. Yeah. Like, like that that's the age. Oh, where, Rusty grew. Yeah, like there's a significant physical differences in Rusty yeah. between the two. At the very end of Wally's world, he's three inches tall. Right. He's, yeah, he's huge, right? <laughs> so this is based off of another short story from the magazine, uh, and it was called Vacation 58, about a Detroit family going to Disneyland. It's based on an experience he had when he was five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. In, in the original write, write-up of this, uh, they make it, again, they can't make it Disney. They had to change it from Disney to Wally World for yeah. obvious reasons, but they make it all the way. Like Wally World. <laughs> Wally World's great. I think they ended up rewriting it, but they, they made it uh, in the test screen. They went all the way to the guy's house and they shot him in the leg. Uh, shot who in the leg? The owner of Wally World. Instead of the owner oh. of Wally World showing up to the park. I thought you were talking about like producing this movie. No, 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 no. <laughs> sorry, 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 sorry. Um, this movie started it all. I mean, this is the, the one of the gr- best comedy trilogies that you have out there. I love and, the Conan poster too. Oh, it's great. <laughs> the only reason that the Lampoon movies famously recast Rusty and Audrey every movie. I love that. It's John Hughes' fault. Yeah. Because Anthony Michael Hall had a choice. He could do Weird Science yep. or he could do this. Pick the right movie. Yeah, and he picked Weird Science and his sister, Dana, uh, said, you know, see ya. I mean, it wasn't even her decision. They basically said, we're not gonna, if we're going to recast one, we'll recast both. Yeah. And that changed her career. I don't know that she did anything else after this. Or I like that they recast the kids. Every time. Every happy. time. <laughs> it is a little funny. This isn't as funny as Christmas Vacation. It's not. It is. It's it not. is. It's not as touching as Christmas Vacation. You, you win the argument when you say Christmas Vacation is this like classic Christmas family movie yeah. and it ties you, the emotions are all there. But It's better Eddie too. It is better Eddie. You will not it is argue. better. Yeah. It is better Eddie. What else do you want? Oh my God. Yeah. I feel dirty about getting rid of this movie versus Christmas Vacation. I don't know, dude. Just get in your car and crash it, all right? <sighs> but I mean, there's just the scenes like where they have their first beer together, where he jumps the sandwich the, dance, yeah, yeah, all that stuff. There's there's the same stuff in Christmas Vacation, but better. The tree through the window, the lights. All right, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to allow you to keep Christmas Vacation. It shouldn't be an argument. And I'm going to allow you to Thanos snap the first vacation because there are two other movies that I'm going to fight much harder for. Okay, good. I can't fight for these because the other two movies I want, I think are better. I'll take that. I'll take that. Get out of here. Oh my God. All right, Max. Sorry, Amanda. So what we we need to talk about right now, we have 16 Candles, Yep. Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, Great Outdoors, and Weird Science on the Bubble. Yep. So Max, if we keep Weird Science, we have two spots left. If we don't keep Weird Science, we have three spots left. Okay. And we have three movies left. And those three movies are The Great Outdoors, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, 16 Candles. Okay. Let's let's just look at those three and see if we can eliminate one. Okay. I don't want to be mean, and this is kind of harsh. 16 Candles, get out of here. Yeah, I agree. Right? I lo- Again, I this is to me, if on the back end of the yeah. ones that are snapped, I yeah. put it high up there. Yeah. It's a great movie, it but is. I can't, I'm not going to debate Great Outdoors and Planes, Trains, and Automobiles are both better movies than 16 Candles. Yeah, it's the worst of the Molly Greenwald trilogy, right? Okay, gone. Okay, cool. We're good. Do you want to talk about it Yes, all? I do want to talk about 16. I love, because I feel dirty. Again, I use the word dirty. I feel guilty. Uh, not guilty pleasure, our yeah. last episode, if you mm. haven't listened to it last Listen week. Listen to that one. Uh, but I feel I do feel guilty just 
dismissing this movie. It's a great movie, right? It's sweet. Anthony Michael Hall, and Molly Ringwald did not initially get along with each other. This speaks to like just John Hughes's brain. So what's he do? He takes them to a record store and they hang out and they bond over similar taste in music. Yeah, that's pretty cool. They're shooting the film in Chicago where there's nothing to do. Yeah. So for fun, they used to crash bar mitzvahs in the hotel that they that's were living awesome. in, which I think is, can you imagine you no. and I at our bar mitzvah no. being like, Oh my God, that's Molly <laughs> Ringwald and Anthony that. Michael Hall. No one knew who she was at this point though. Uh, uh, yeah, you're right. A, yeah. you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. So even better, even yeah. better. These like two yeah. actors are doing that. You know, I just Ali Sheedy was almost Samantha. I did not know. Yeah. That. And uh, uh, Jim Carrey auditioned for Farmer Ted. Uh, Vigo Mortensen was, <laughs> was up for, uh, Jake Ryan. He I almost got the role of Jake Ryan. Legolas. That's all I can think Isn't of. that nuts? Um, <laughs> that would have worked. Yeah, worked. Hughes wrote Farmer Ted for Anthony Michael Hall. Like right. the, the, that role was like written specifically for yeah. him. Cause he, at this point he'd already done vacation. Yeah. I you're think. Right. Yeah, yep. yeah. Yeah. Cause now this is 1984. Yeah, yeah. This is 84. Sam's grandparents, the license plate. I love these little license plate things. Red v, V58 for vacation 58. Yeah. This movie's good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> I, mean, you're done. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, there's other funds like Jake Ryan's Porsche had the plate number 21850 for John Hughes's birthday. Well, what with you in license plate? I think it's kind of cool when I read this. All right, here's something really interesting, and then we'll just talk about the movie. Okay. The Cusacks, John and Joan. Yep. Were, oh, she's great in this. We're both cast in The Breakfast Club. Did you know that? No, I didn't know that. And uh, John was cast as Bender, uh, who was eventually played by Judd Nelson. And Joan was set to play Ali Sheedy's character. That wouldn't have worked either. N- neither of them would have. Universal thought don't that- Ali Sheedy. <laughs> Universal uh, Pictures thought that Hughes' other finished screenplay, 16 Candles, was more commercial. So they swapped it, and that's how they got into that. It was kind of like a karma thing. They wanted to get him in. I don't okay. know, karma. Yeah, they yeah. responsible. 16 Candles is a really funny movie. Yeah. And there's a couple scenes. Great scene, little brother, too. There's a couple scenes in it, like when the dad is talking with Molly on the About couch. About the crushes and all. And yeah, yeah. If, they were, if, they, if they didn't hurt, they wouldn't be called crushes. Yeah, and, just good. The, and like, if this guy doesn't see all the wonderful things in you, I do, then shame on him. There's or some, she's like looking at herself in the mirror and not happy with herself. I'm like, there's teenage. There, yeah, this right is, there. it's campy. It's yeah. silly. It's touching. Farmer it's a little Ted. Adult too, you know? It's definitely a little dull. It's really good. Yeah. But we can't keep it. No. So yeah. I, I'm with you. Good. All right, I, good. I had a feeling that you were okay with this. So really, technically right now, we've got the weird science argument. Two spots really, for three. Yeah, two for three. So let's move weird science off of the maybe and move it into the three. Okay. Two spots for three. Weird science, planes, trains, and automobiles, great outdoors. Yep. Of those three, we, you've already expressed your feelings on weird science. Really, of those two, great outdoors and planes and trains, which is your favorite? Great outdoors. Great outdoors. By a mile. Great outdoors is better than weird science. No. Yeah. No, it's not. Let's talk about great outdoors. Okay. The great outdoors. 1988, Chet Ripley, John Candy, yep. Roman Craig, Dan Aykroyd. Uh, this movie, you know I love this movie. I mean, we did our- Big uh, Bear. Big, big bear. Big, big, big bat. <laughs> bat. He's got teeth. Uh, when we did our Raising an 80s Baby, yeah. this was like one of the movies I put on there. Uh, yeah, th- I didn't know what it was at the time. This goes back to- It's really good. My emotional connection to movies. This is you being a dad. This is not just me. It is a huge part of me yep. being dad. It also is, it goes back to the thing I like most about John Hughes. The redemption of of characters of that Chet. like Roman, no, not Chet. Oh, Chet's okay. great the whole movie. Okay. Roman <laughs> is awful. Yeah. Roman's the brother. Everybody's got a Roman brother-in-law. Let me tell you that. Yeah. Not Roman that he's from Rome, but Roman. Yeah, 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 yeah I, I just want to make sure you're clear. He's terrible. I mean, he's like a total pain in the butt. So Chet and his family go up to their kind of family tradition up north uh, cabin for a getaway. Right. Roman and his wife and his two twin daughters show up uninvited. Twins are creepy. They're super creepy. Uh, I actually think I know someone that went to college with those two girls. I have to look that oh, up. Oh man. Yeah, I know. So they they uh, they go up there. Uh, Roman and his family invite themselves under under the guise of, oh, we just want to spend time with you. But in yeah. all reality, Roman's flat broke. He's juicing him. And he's, yeah, he's trying to basically rip him off. But the whole, the whole movie. Lobster tails. <laughs> 
<laughs> and the boat. The yeah. boat's great. The, the whole movie has just such like a wonderful, like the, the older son trying to fight for his independence, but yeah, then get the girlfriend. Yeah. But dad at the same time, just like, this is what I did with my father and you're becoming a man now. It's cute. It's very cute. It's very sweet. Like Chet Ripley is the kind of dad that I want to be. Like he is like everything I want to be in a father. Yeah, I can see that. And need to gain a few pounds. Yeah, right. Well, I think thanks. It's the nicest thing you've ever said about my weight. I appreciate that. Um, You're not John Candy. No, I'm not John Candy. Uh, the the, the couple big, of 96ers maybe. God, old 96er. I I we bet, should do that for we should live stream a live stream me trying to eat old 96er dude. Got to eat the fat and the gristle. He ain't done. Um, the great outdoors and part of it it, it goes back to just. John Candy and Dan Aykroyd interacting with yeah, each other. They're great. They play off each other so well. So here's my main argument with this. I just saw Summer Rental recently. Is it that different? No. Summer Rental is nowhere near no, as good it's, as this. No, it's pretty freaking good. It's, it's not as good as this. But it's the same concept as Sean Candy in that role. Okay, but like that, you can't, I understand you're giving originality points for Weird Science, but there's a lot of these movies that are basically the same thing. Like strip away the, the science part from Weird Science and it's two nerdy guys get the girl. One nerdy girl gets the guy. One poor guy gets the girl. One poor girl gets the guy. That's what all these are. Well, we talked about John Hughes being simple. I know, but then don't tell me that, that just because it's similar to Summer Rental, it's not similar enough. This is a, I'm this saying is, there's other movies with John Candy. In We're not getting world. rid of this movie, so get ready to get rid of Weird Science. Well, we still have one more, because Planes Trains does not make my list at all. <sighs> I hate Planes and Trains. You're out of your mind. It's awful. Planes Trains might be my top three. No. Planes Trains could easily displace everything except Ferris Bueller's Day Off for me. What do you like about Should it? we just jump to Planes Trains? Okay. So what, we, what do we have now? I don't even know. What I'll tell you what we have. We have a problem. That's what yeah. we have. We have three <laughs> movies and two spots. And those three movies are yep. Great Outdoors, yep. Planes Trains, Weird Science. Yeah. And you've now pushed me to talk about Planes Trains, which I would take Planes Trains over the Great Outdoors. No. Yeah. I love Great Outdoors much more. These guys aren't likable in this movie. Okay. Like, let's break it down. Let's just stop. Let's stop. Let's should stop. We, let's we? just stop. You stop right now. Don't you ever tell me that Steve Martin is not likable. Ever. Don't you ever tell me that John Candy's not likable. Don't you ever tell me that a movie with both of them in it, not likable. Neil Page, the ad man who's just upset the whole time and yelling at John Candy. The whole... And Dell messing everything up no, all the time. That, that's the, he almost gets them killed. Uncle Buck's fantastic. Great Outdoors is awesome. Summer Rental. Ghost... Wait, is he in Ghostbusters? John Candy? No, he's not in Ghostbusters. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's great. Guys, I'm not editing that out. Just so you know, that's you better laugh it up because that's staying in there. Top Gun. Top Gun. Greatest Goose. She's having a baby. <laughs> He's in a cutscene in that. Just stop. Let me. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I have not said this to you in a long time. I'm gonna educate you. Are you ready? What's, what's I'm gonna educate right, you. Let's see. This goes back to how you watch movies and why they affect you. The and right way. No, you're you're a sociopath. <laughs> you have no emotions. And this movie isn't about two guys. This is about, um, about this is about a father, a man with a family. Okay. Who is consumed with work and and when the work stops, it's Thanksgiving. Yeah. And, and thanks, there aren't any movies about Thanksgiving, Max. For a reason. No. <laughs> I am not going to let you interrupt me as I educate you. You sit there. You on don't your, think you, great directors know you better sit, than you? Sit on your hands. You sit on your hands and be quiet and listen. Never. To me. Daddy's going to teach you. Are you ready? It's so creepy. <laughs> Only because you said it was creepy. Now listen to me. This movie, Thanksgiving is one of the most important holidays because unlike Christmas or Hanukkah or everything else, there's really no like religious attachment. It's just an opportunity to celebrate family, being together, okay. like, you know, enjoying your friends, enjoying everyone around you. Yes roughly established on colonization and terrible stuff, but we'll ignore that for a moment. <laughs> All right. But it, it is, it is a pure holiday in the sense that it really celebrates togetherness and family. This whole movie is about Neil 
and just his sole focus. He wants to get home and, and he doesn't need to let anyone else into his life. He already has a beautiful wife and children and in-laws and everything. And this, and Dell, this lovable idiot who does everything wrong. Is he lovable? He is lovable because he's stupid and he does everything he wrong. Shut your <laughs> mouth. Okay. He loves everyone. He's, he makes tons of mistakes. They, there's a heavy snow and first Dell steals his cab. Then they run into each other at the airport. There's heavy snow in Chicago. The flight gets diverted to Wichita, Kansas. All the hotels are booked. They have to share one. Neil lashes out at him, right? He's had enough of his shenanigans. He's screaming at him. And he, and, and the quote, I like me. My wife likes me. You know, like there's this, these beautiful tender moments. Isn't and that it, like a music quote? At the No, it's not a music quote. Yeah. At the end of this movie. What you see is what you get. I'm going to skip all the way to the end because you have no tolerance for me to talk about this whole movie, which I could talk about forever. At the end of this movie, when they go their separate ways, uh, Neil gets onto the whatever, the tram or whatever, the, the monorail. Yeah. I don't know what the hell it's called. When he gets on that and that soft kind of melodic music is playing and he puts the pieces together and he realizes that this guy, he has nowhere to go. Yeah. His, 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 he has nowhere to go. Years. He comes back and that gets disclosed, right? And then it cuts to them carrying that big pain in the butt trunk down the street together to go meet his family. It is one of the most beautiful moments in cinema. It is everything. It is Thanksgiving. Uh, this movie to me is what Christmas vacation is to you. Okay, I like Christmas vacation. You love Christmas vacation. Yeah, but it's not like it defines my life. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> this is one of those times where you're too emotionally immature to understand this. You're, oh my you're, God. you're 35 you're, years old. No, emotionally. How old are you? Four. There you go. <laughs> this is, this is like Terminator two. <laughs> you just don't get it. I'm just Sarah Connor on the chain link fence. I am. I, I very rarely do this. I very rarely do this. I'm willing to give up the great outdoors for weird science, Done. but I got to keep planes, yep. trains and I can do that. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. God. Oh my God. I can't believe we got into the great outdoors. You can't have all three John Candy movies. Can't you though? Yeah, you can't. We this, did it. Max, did I'm it. sweating. <laughs> I'm, I don't feel, I feel sick. You turned I, red when I said the planes, trains thing. <sighs> well, this is, you got beat red. we just did it. Yeah. We just snapped. I don't even know how to how to wrap up how I feel. I feel exhausted emotionally. Those aren't pillows. No, they're not. We. It's <laughs> <laughs> a great great quote, Max. We. This is a great time for us to do uh, the Buzz in the Tower fan spotlight and see what they have to say about the Thanos snap. No, they're not going to pick planes, trains, and automobiles. Shut your mouth. <laughs> This week's fan spotlight are our friends over at Blown Opportunities. Scorgio. Find them on Instagram at blown underscore opportunities underscore. Don't forget that last underscore after opportunities. And they've got a website, blownopportunities.com. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. They're, Nostalgia they're, bomb. They're, yeah. Their website is their- It's 8-bit uh, amazing. <laughs> it really is. Him and his boys. It's so funny. It's the This thick New York accent when I listen to him kind of explain his story. Like his it, voice is in molasses. Yeah, it's great. I wish I had a cool accent and didn't sound just Walk like nasally. Here. They've known each other for years. They grew up with each other. These guys are all through school, through sports, watching bad movies with each other. Making movies. Making movies right so they all grew up and they got into all these different kind of roles comedy acting scorchio actually went into pro fighting and then moved to la where he was doing stunts he was a stunt man that's awesome that's super cool uh so in 2012 his like friend group basically said let's do a sitcom yep which is wild yeah. can you imagine like that, good for them they uh so they wanted to pitch kind of uh 80s feel sitcom but Love up it. to date yep. with the times and they made some traction you know they got agents they moved 
through the process. They were getting to a streaming service and it just, it didn't happen. But during that process, they just found this community of people that love 80s nostalgia. Us. They love, yeah, basically us. <laughs> so their Instagram, their website, they're just doing a lot of incredible stuff. Uh, they've got an awesome presence on all of them. And they will talk to you about 80s until your ears fall off. They will. And they know it. They yeah. know it inside out with a lot of excitement. So with that, uh, we, you and I have been battling on this weird science versus planes, trains argument. So we kicked it to Scorchio because as I tried to explain to you, Max, everyone loves planes, trains, and automobiles, and you don't know what you're talking about. Well, let's about. see. All right. Well, we will see. Scorchio, take it away. Hey, what's going on, fellas? Blown opportunities here. Uh, you guys are putting me in a tough spot on this one here. Planes, trains, and automobiles against weird science. I mean, in all fairness, these are both great movies. And you know, as I love both of these movies. If we're talking in terms of just like laughable comedy, I don't know what it is. Weird science, the idea of these two outcasts, these two screwballs deciding to build a girl on their computer. I mean, come on. It just doesn't get any better than that. But at the same time, with planes, trains, and automobiles, it's a different type of comedy. It It's a great buddy comedy, and it just has such a sentimental ending, and it's just such a feel-good movie when all is said and done. And I just, I love John Candy and him and Steve Martin. I mean, the part in the car when, you know, you're going the wrong way. Literally, when someone says, oh, you're going the wrong way, I always use those lines. But at the same time, Weird Science has so many great parts. And when they turn Bill Paxton into the, the, the flaming pile of slime, garbage, whatever, <laughs> the sloth that he becomes is just such a great part. Ah, But you know what? If I'm going to pick one over the other, I'm going to have to take Weird Science because Weird Science is a movie that I can watch all the time. Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, as much as I love it, I tend it has more of a sentimental and nostalgic thing because I tend to watch it with family around the holidays. I, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles is not a movie that I'm going to watch in the middle of July, whereas Weird Science is just so many parts that make me laugh. And I just feel like Weird Science also great 80s soundtrack. Planes, Trains, and Automobiles has that one song at the end, which is really great, but I don't know. I just got, I got it. Weird Science edges it out from me on this one. So, you know, I hope I didn't make too many enemies on this one and I uh, hope you enjoy those. Well, 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 well. I regret Heavily regret all of the nice <laughs> things that I said about blown opportunities and Scorchio prior to that. I time. win. Woo! He he at least made the point that I was trying to get across to you. That's that, a Thanksgiving like, movie for like one month of the right, year. Right, whatever. The last time I whatever. checked, there's 12 months. Max, I, I win 11 to 1. I'm so angry right now. Blue Kitchens. I hate you. Yeah. I boingo, boingo, let's hit it. Oh, God. Better soundtrack, too. He even broke down the soundtrack. Great. Thank you, Max. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, so, Scorchio. Yeah, thanks, Scorchio, <laughs> for your first and last appearance ever on the show. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I'm every kidding. week, I, every, every week, week. No, easy, easy. So we, uh, new codes. we've snapped. Yeah. We, we snapped. We're Thanos. We snapped. I thought you meant like we lost it. I no, was like, no, yeah, we that was a snapped. while ago. We just snapped. So we took uh, to recap. We took the sixteen pieces of work of Mister John Hughes. We snapped our Thanos gauntlet hand and had to get rid of eight of them. And the eight that we kept were the Breakfast Club, mm. Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Pretty in Pink, Uncle Buck, Christmas Vacation some kind of wonderful weird science and planes trains and automobiles it's a solid list it's a good list seven out of eight's not bad r.i.p the ones we lost yeah uh we'll miss you most of you darn you thanos oh man thanos thanos no it's thanos. Cool. No, no thanos i like thanos <laughs> thanos cousin who snaps <laughs> 80s <laughs> movies away so it's, it's like the witch.com hope thanos. you hope you enjoyed thanos's episode today that's great um so 
listen to our show, subscribe to our show. You know the rule. Yeah. You know the deal. Why would they not be listening if they're listening? <laughs> God, such a good point. Uh, subscribe, follow Hear us. Yeah, follow us on Spotify. Uh, leave reviews, uh, five stars, and keep on Apple Podcast. Yes, please. And subscribe. Keep, keep supporting, and then our social media. Uh, you know, the more people that follow us on social media, the, the more powerful we become. The better Max sleeps at night. So please, just help us out on Facebook. Because well, you make me nervous on TikTok, on Instagram <laughs> at Buzz in the Tower, and check out our website if you want to contact us that's the best place to do it with any ideas feedback or just say hi or call mo his number is oh hey easy easy uh max that concludes today's episode and uh, as always i say look forward to seeing you and our wonderful friends next week not if i snap you out of existence first okay weirdo so uh i hope thanis doesn't do that so <laughs> goodbye You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.